You're listening to the best morning routine ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lunid, and today I have a very special guest to the show, Damari Gold. Damari has a unique perspective on money and personal finance. She is passionate about helping small business owners, more specifically, women-owned businesses in understanding their money. Now, she can relate to this because she is a first-generation American and also an entrepreneur herself. And so she understands the difficulty that women-owned businesses face on a daily basis. And so she knows that money goes beyond business. And she knows that you have to look at all different levels, honestly, of different aspects of money and personal finance. So it could be money mindset, money management, taxes. It all falls under this umbrella. And she has a way to help women who own their business navigate that world. So with no further ado, Damari, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you again for taking the time. I love a hero's journey. So I'm curious to see how this all started. And it's also because the show's about finding your purpose and yeah. living in your purpose. So walk us through your path. Definitely. So it all started way back in 2006 <laughs> about um, that's when I decided that I wanted to go into the accounting industry. Really what it was, I was in customer service for a really long time. And then I just found myself very unhappy mm-hmm. and angry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought to myself, okay, what kind of job can I do? And you know, I want your listeners to keep in mind that as a first generation American, sometimes depending on how you grow up, where you grow up, you know, some opportunities may seem limited, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes you're not quite sure what direction to take or what's mm-hmm. available to you, right? And then yeah. depending on how we grow up, I'm not sure with you, Miss Dr. Lunity, but you mm-hmm. know, sometimes it it's like maybe the things that our parents teach us and so on, right? So I'm kind of veering off of that. So at that moment, I wasn't sure what to do. I know that I just needed money and but I was like, okay, but I'm kind of I'm really burnt out of mm-hmm. customer service type jobs. I was in banking. So I found an accounting job. I started at the bottom and then I decided, okay, that's the degree I'm going to pursue because I thought, well, I am analytical and lo and behold, I actually did like accounting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then in 2008, when the economy, the first recession, we well, not first recession, but a recession we hit in the US um, with the housing market and so on. Then at that moment, I had a lot of jobs were being lost. And at that time, I had lost my job. And then I found an internship with someone for tax preparation. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, okay, well, let me try it. And again, I very much enjoyed it. I liked it. It was, it's, Taxation is complex and not one thing is the same. So I think that for my ever-evolving and ever-changing mind and, and wanting to yeah. problem solve, because that's my in within my nature, I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I think it's become that's why 
I think I gravitated towards it and I was like, okay, you know what? I really like this. And so therefore I went, pursued my whole education, master's degree in accounting and um, really focused on taxation. And that's my licensing in taxation. That's cool. It's good season for you, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, season. Very uh, eye twitching season is what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> seeing stars, yeah, seeing double and- at the end of the day type of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know customer service can be mentally taxing for anyone, but I can imagine if it's not your calling or your purpose, how much more brutal. Yeah, definitely. And so you you took a leap of faith and then give it a shot. Right. You got to start. And yeah, yeah, you like had it. to start somewhere. You know, sometimes people, because like I said, I took an internship and it was a pay cut. I mean, I was making at that time probably like. 10 bucks an hour, 12 bucks an hour. And mind you, at that point in my career, I had already reached about $20 an hour, Mm -hmm. 20, 22. I was young. I was 23. Yeah, I was about 23, 24. And so it was a big change, right? And sometimes we might consider like, why am I going to take a step backwards? But we're not considering or, you know, in pay, but we're not considering the possibility of being able to be pushed forward, which is sometimes it is taking that step back, learning things and test, trying them out. Right. Because we don't know unless we try them. Yeah. And then we take that, that step forward because we um, really, you could feel stuck and stagnant Mm -hmm. and you're never going to have the full picture. It's Steve Jobs says it's easier to connect the dots looking backwards. Yeah. Right. You're never going to have all everything you need to know. So for you to confirm, to give you the confidence to move forward. That's right. To move despite of the fear. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how a lot of people find their purpose. That's how yeah. a lot of people find their dream and find out what is it, that thing that they're really good at mm-hmm. and that, that they're gifted at. And, and now they're not so burnt out. Yeah. And, you know, in the evolution, even in my career, even with what I'm doing, I've had to evolve in a sense of like, what parts do I like? How do I want to run my business? How working with a lot of uh, CPA and tax firms, like what what things did I like? What things didn't I like? What things can I implement? What things can I change? You know, and at some point, and I will tell you this, that within uh, so I've been about 15 years, 15 plus years, probably at about the 10 year mark, 11 year mark, I was starting to feel like, you know what, maybe I'm done with taxation. Maybe I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I did have to take a bit of about sort of situation to confirm to myself that no, this is what I'm good at. This is what I enjoy. But not only am I good at it, but this is what I actually enjoy. And I enjoy teaching people and I enjoy helping people and I enjoy helping, you know, entrepreneurs and people that are starting out in business and guiding people. And so this is how all of that still evolved into what it is now. Because you're going to pull those 12, 14 hour day regardless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's going to happen no matter what, you know, and it was just a matter of, I think for me, it became a matter of more so going on my own. Mm-hmm. And I think that that also became another sort of uh, not burden, but another feeling that I wasn't familiar with, with, mm-hmm. you know, the safety aspect, again, depending on how you gr- grow up and what you're taught, you know, we seek a sense of security. And what does a nine to five provide is that sense that we are secure, that we have a job or, you know, and we might 
or people might look at us or think like you're unstable because you can't stay in one job for a really long time or you're switching jobs or you switch careers or all these things. Right. And so that might make us feel like what's wrong with me. Like I just need to stick to this and I need to do these things. But the truth of the matter is, is that your body, your mind, yourself, there's something going on there. There's something that's trying to speak to you. Mm -hmm. If you're not happy, if you're not okay with where you are, you know, because ultimately it's like, like I said, when I took that backward step, I wasn't necessarily concentrating on, on how much I was making hourly at that point. I actually really enjoyed what I was doing. And the same now I have to sometimes reevaluate, like if there's certain parts of what I do that I don't like, then I have to reevaluate what that is, you know, and delegate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Delegate or change automate. it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Automate, delegate. Yeah. Administrative stuff is like my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you because those people who are telling you you're switching jobs, they don't have their purpose. You know, they're struggling. They're, they're, they're miserable. Misery mm-hmm. loves company and it takes a lot of courage to step out and, and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not happy because I agree with you hundred percent. The body will tell you first, it will be a subtle, quiet voice and it'll get louder. Yeah. And then you'll wake up and I'm like, Oh, I have adrenal fatigue or yeah. my back is hurting. My leg uh-huh. will move. Cause that's energy. The body's telling you there's a, something's plugged. There's yeah. something stuck there. And it, it's until you move, then I can flow. Yes. Yes. And sometimes, you know, when we have these types of conversations, some people, when they don't understand how to listen to themselves or they were never taught on how to listen to themselves because we have to follow a certain standard or we have to follow a certain guideline or anything like that. So a lot of times or oftentimes we're not taught how to listen to ourselves. And those things, like you said, if the body starts feeling like you have an ache or you have this or you have that, or honestly, it's just even feeling the anger, feeling the annoyance, feeling like you're just, what is your purpose in life? Trust me. I I hit those times many times over when I was younger and when I was doing customer service, because I was just, is this what my life's going to be like this misery? Right. And so, you know, if you are having those moments in your life, it is time to to evaluate what you're doing. And it's what's the worst that can happen if you take the leap towards trying something else. I mean, you don't like it. Okay. Then move on. Right. (laughs) Try Try something something else. Cause it's, it's gonna, and I know you can attest to this because you talked about the different journeys you've taken to come back to taxation. Yeah. It's going to morph over the years. You're going, cause you're changing. Yes. As a person. I, I know we're spending a lot of time on purpose and that's why we're <laughs> yeah. But it, your purpose is going to drive you, but it's going to change over time because you're changing. That's the right. more you learn, the more books you're consuming, the more you're stimulating the mind, the more podcasts you're listening to, you're growing. And mm-hmm. therefore, those your desires change. Right. That's your right. needs change. Mm-hmm. And my, my business has morphed to three different products. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. In the last three years. Yeah. And, it, that's because again, I'm like, oh well, that's not it. I, I I'm good at this, as you said, yeah. but it does not fulfill me. Mm-hmm. I'm actually burnt out after this aspect of it. And yeah. you got to be able to be attuned with oneself, and that's what the morning routine provides. That's it gives right. you that opportunity to be open and to be in that space. Before we jump into your morning routine, I I want to hear a little bit more about how you help the women that you do. Okay. And so, where are you from? Because you're first generation. 
Yes. American. So where are you from and where are you in the world right now? So I'm in California. My family originally is from El Salvador. So Mm -hmm. um, my mom came here uh, many years ago and (laughs) then she had me here. I was, my sister was born in El Salvador. So basically out of the generations of my family, I am the first born American out of Uh all of the generations of my family. And then she brought help bring my aunties and so on. And then now we have other generational Americans, but, but yeah, I mean, it was, it's, you know, it's, to me, it's such a big, like, whoa, like I can't sometimes, you know, it's hard to grasp because it's like you have a whole family and, you know, God or whoever you believe in, you know, but provided this opportunity for me to be born here. Yeah. And so I'm in California. Um, I grew up in East Los Angeles for the majority of my life. And then we moved further inland. And now I have a beautiful office here in Huntington Beach. <laughs> nice. Very yeah. nice. I'm in San Diego. So oh, we're in the time, nice. Love San Diego. Same time zone. Same time zone. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, my sister had moved to Imperial Beach, so I was out there for a little while as well. <laughs> yeah, California is beautiful. Yeah. I, I can definitely share that because I'm I'm first generation, but I wasn't born here. I was born okay. in Haiti. I came here when I was 10 mm-hmm. years old. And oh, so wow. we were taught education, go to school, yeah. get a job, and then you've that's made right. it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right, right? Education. Yeah. You got to get a school. You got to get a job in there. Then you can say, Mama, I made it. I got a nine to five job. I'm in corporate America. And I got a steady paycheck and I got benefits. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's a it's a great aspect that we're talking about this, because what happens is that ingrained in us is what our parents didn't have. And this is I'm going to move towards your question about how I help women and how I help people in mm-hmm. business, because what happens is that whether you know this or not is ingrained in us is a sense of the only way I will have a certain is by having this security or meeting these check marks, right? As first-generation Americans, we do have that sense because our parents didn't have stability because they had survival mode always. Mm -hmm. We carry that as well. We carry those senses of, and I'm sure you probably felt that way once you've completed like your degree and, you know, becoming a doctor and all of those things. And now you're, you're still probably thinking like, okay, what, what now? Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) am I supposed to like, how do I do this? Or, you know, I need to grind or I need to work hard in order to, right. To survive in order to thrive in order to have a good life. And that's instilled in us. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes when you go into entrepreneurship, it amplifies those insecurities about money a thousand percent. And sometimes we don't realize how much it does that to us, but it does. Our upbringing, the relationship we have about money, our beliefs about money, everything that's been implemented in us basically gets amplified when you become a business owner, when you decide that you're going to take this leap. And that's not to discourage anyone. Yeah. (laughs) That's not to discourage anyone. It is going to take a lot of not only it's it's like mental work, you know what I mean? It, because there is a lot of mindset, mental work that you have to work through in order to get past a lot of these different feelings that you're going to feel as an entrepreneur when it comes to your finances. If you didn't like looking at your, let's say, income before when you had a nine to five and paying all your bills, trust me, when you become business owner, you're definitely going to be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. 
<laughs> yeah. That insecurity that it creates because it's like, oh man, my, I have more expenses than I have income. I got to yeah. go out and work some more, work harder. But you're right. That, that security is very important for us and especially for women, right? Because you need the emotional support. You need the financial support also because somehow that is linked to our self-image. That yes. is linked to our self-confidence. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little, how is that, that those finances linked to Link who to. we are? We shouldn't, but it is. It is. And, you know, a lot of times I say it's identification. So identifying how it's represented to you or how basically it manifests in your life. So a story that I often tell is for me, it was seeing my mom hustle and cleaning houses and selling whatever she could and yard sales and on the weekend. And she had a Uh, but she still needed to do all of these things in order to provide. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself growing up having multiple jobs, thinking in my head that if I do this, if I work hard, if I have, if I work, 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 somehow I am going to be able to fill in the blank. Right. Mm -hmm. But I never did. (laughs) And, And I never could because no matter how much I earned, I would spend it just the same. I had really bad spending habits. You know, I was a young kid. And it was just like, I never had that much money before in my life. So now it's like, okay, I get to spend it all on myself and then overindulge. Right. And so these are the things that in order for us to be confident or in order for us to move the needle towards a place where we are going to be comfortable in the uncomfortable is by understanding that are we fighting not seeing our numbers? Are we fighting not being truthful with ourselves, with our spending habits, with what we're doing, reevaluating, making those difficult decisions that say... I need to cut this out of my life. I need to reevaluate and assess and all these things, you know, but there, there's a lot of small changes we can do, but in our head, they're amplified. And so in order for us to start moving the needle towards feeling confident and feeling comfortable with it is we have to face it. You have to just get, you know, get your big girl panties on and and say, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And you have to just like, Face it, you have to start practicing something that will help you face the reality. And I'm sure maybe you'll, I don't know if you're going to ask me this, but how can you start doing that, right? How can you start practicing? What can you put into practice? The most simplest thing that I teach is have a calendar, like, a, you know, what are those called? A, a planner kind of calendar mm-hmm. thing. And what I say is fill in all the days that you have to pay bills, like fill in every time you have, you know, the, the, all of the payments that are due, all your, what's called your regular, your fixed expenses kind mm-hmm. of thing. And you could do the this rent. for business or your personal, mm-hmm. yeah. Rent, utilities, utilities car payments, yeah, cell phone, you know, and, and put that in. And on a weekly basis, fill in what you are spending, which requires for you to look at your account, what you are spending on a weekly basis on the, all the extra stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So as you're doing that, what you're doing is you're causing awareness to yourself how you're spending on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes what happens is if I tell people, I want you to save $300 this month, what do you think happens? They focus just on the $300 and think that is so much money. Right. And, and, and to some people, it might be a lot. To some people, it might not. But then if I say to you, save $10 a day. 
Does that seem doable? Yeah, manageable. Right? So, but guess what? In 30 days, how much money do you have? 300. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and so these small increments of changes. So as you're going through your weeks and trust me, you, you spend $10 on a Starbucks coffee now. Jeez. Like, like, right. Inflation. So, <laughs> inflation. Exactly. And, and, you know, this brings up actually a good point that I, I had posted something yesterday about inflation that I, because we went through 2008, 2009, there's a lot of things we see happening that are very common to another possible recession or some sort of something happening economy, like some sort of economic Besides change. COVID, Besides <laughs> Yes, because think about it. Gas prices are at $6 in California. Yes, they are. Okay. So how do you think people are managing being able to pay for gas now? You go from making a $300, let's say, gas payment to now $600 gas payment, mm -hmm. right? That's an extra $300 that people either didn't save, didn't have, are overspending, right? Yeah. So here we start this kind of, what would you cut out? If you had an additional, you have to spend an additional $300 eating out. I would stop eating out on the weekends. Okay. And then what do you think happens to those restaurants longer eating out? They lost a very valuable customer. Exactly. Well, not <laughs> only that, but now they have a surge of employees that they can't pay. Yeah. Because people aren't eating out as much. So they start cutting that out. Right. Uh, yeah. You put it with perspective. Yeah. It's a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what I think people don't have when you're short-sighted, you're not looking at the big picture. So a ripple effect happens when this type of increase in, in inflation happens because people can no longer afford their lifestyle. And if let's say you, you would go to, let's say you would vacation, right? Mm -hmm. Like I tell you right now, I won't go to San Diego, San Diego to take my family to San Diego would cost me like $3,000. <laughs> so, like why I could just go to Mexico, you know, I could take yeah. them to Mexico probably for half the price. Yeah. So you see what, you see what happens, but then what happens? There's not as much tourism in San Diego. Mm -hmm. The downfall is the, the discrepancy. The income is not increasing, but the expenses are. Exactly. exactly. A deficit. Uh -huh. A deficit. And the, and the gap keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is, you know, something that happened in 2008 was something very similar where the homes, the inflation in the homes and people only paying interest only, losing their jobs, not being able to pay their homes anymore, and then foreclosure, mm -hmm. right? And so it's pretty much basically they can't do anything about it. So it's time to lose homes. And that's what happens now that the inflation is so high. People are overbidding again on homes, homes that they cannot afford because Again, like I, it, these are things that I don't understand. And if you were to look at your finances and you're like, I could pay, you know, $5,000 for a home, but you make $10,000 and that's half of your mortgage, you know, and that's not including taxes or anything like that. You're not talking about property taxes. You're not talking about sales tax. This is what I teach. How much on the dollar do you keep? Most people keep 50 to 60 cents on the dollar, wow. depending on where they live, because they have to pay federal tax, sales tax, Medicare tax. So there's a lot of taxes out there. <laughs> and so yeah. we're veering off. But, you know, my whole thing about teaching this is to really get people to implement habits of change, understand 
what things they can restructure, rechange in their life, save money, please save money. It is one of the only liquid, you know, assets are the best thing you can have. Mm -hmm. So save your money, you know, don't, if you need to pay stuff on a credit card, you know, do so because the truth of the matter is, is that if you have cash, if something were to happen, if you were to lose your job, you can't pay your rent on your credit card. Right. So please be conscientious of how you're spending your money, especially now. Yeah. And I can see it going even a step further because we talked about being um, constructed or programming at a very young age, right? Being immigrants, mm-hmm. we learn what our parents knew about money. You yeah. spend it as it comes. You're going to work yeah. hard for it. You keep working hard for it. You know, yeah. parents have two, three jobs and then never had a penny in the bank. It's like, how does that happen? <laughs> and, and I grew up realizing I'm on the same path until you started um, self-teaching. And then mm-hmm. my husband comes in and then cleaned everything out. It was like, oh man, I didn't know much. We didn't have those conversations at the dinner table. That's with right. Mom and dad, right? Because mm-hmm. they were out working. We come home from school. There's no one in the house because mom is on the second shift, second yeah. job. And so we don't have to, we don't have the opportunity to talk about money and mm-hmm. saving and stocks and, and, and rental property and passive income. Yes. All those things yes. that a young age that can actually shift the way we direct our life financially. Yeah. And so, there's a great need to teach kids about this so they can be conscious about it. I personally took it upon myself to teach my sister's kids. She has uh-huh. three of them. Yeah. About generation, generational wealth. Yes. And I kid you not, I have a book called Generational Wealth for Kids and oh, Activity. I like book. that. And every Saturday. Wait, you're you going to have to send me one of those. Or wait, you you made it or did you just buy it online? Somewhere? I bought it online. It's, you can oh, buy it I'm going to have to look it up. You're going to have to send me that so I'll send you the link. But every Saturday for now for an hour and a half, we meet together and they look they're excited about it. Oh, that's okay, awesome. we're, we're learning about money and entrepreneurs, ways you can earn money. What does FDIC mean? Like they're uh-huh. knowing this stuff at eight years old, 10 years old and 12 years old. That's awesome. They, they get on a call. It has to start that early because I didn't have yes. it. My sister and I didn't have it because, you know, we're, we're born we're immigrants. Right. So yeah. now I'm taking up on the kids. And when my kids are born, we're going to have the same dinner conversation. So how do we teach our kids? I told you one way I'm going about it. How do we teach our kids to be um, conscious at a very young age about money, especially those who don't have that table conversation, I, dinner conversation? Definitely. I think, you know, honestly, kids always learn by what you show them. So if you're constantly stressed out about money or bills or paying or this, that, the other, please know that they're paying attention Mm -hmm. and that they see that. Trust me, my kids, even though as much as I speak on money and this, that, the other, they get to see that other side of that when mom is stressed out about money. Right. Mm -hmm. But I have conversations with them about, you know, maybe my stressors or not being sure, you know, having faith. What can we do? But I also talk about the technical aspects of things about money. So mm-hmm. one one uh, project I did with them is I gave them I gave them a dollar, but in I split it up into let's say three whole quarters, and then like broke up the the fifteen mm-hmm. cents or something. I broke something up, and I set up jars, and I said, okay, out of this dollar that you earned, you know, you owe taxes ten cents in taxes here, mm-hmm. and then I said, then you owe the state five cents. And then you have to put retirement money. So you need to put money in here. And then, you know, we did this whole thing and I'm like, okay, how much are, what's What are you left over with? And they're like 45 cents. And I'm like, okay, that's what you get to keep. And so they were like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think just finding fun, creative ways to either, you know, 
teach them about taxation, even if you don't a hundred percent fully know it, you know, something like giving them a dollar and breaking it apart like that, or when they get an allowance, breaking it apart like that, yeah. like giving them like a pay stub, right. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, here's your $5 allowance, but you have to pay 10% tax, you know, and yeah. do the whole thing so that they see what the difference is. And then, like you said, finding resources like you're doing, but a lot of it is going to be, you know, children see what you put in action. And mm-hmm. so just having those conversations with them, of course, you're not going to have to tell them like, oh, we're going to lose it. You don't, you don't want to get too dim about certain things, but, <laughs> but you can have those conversations with them because, you know, whether they fully understand it or not, trust me, over time, they'll know that you, they'll remember that you had these conversations with them. And, and being and, honest, because they're, they're listening, they're watching, they're observing that's right. every step. Yeah. And because know that your child will one day grow up and have the same sort of emotional attachments and emotional things, triggers and all this stuff with money, just as you are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, giving them the tools to really prepare for that stuff. Like, what are you doing to take care of yourself when you're triggered by money, when things like this are looking difficult and what things you're doing, right? Leveraging money, saving money, all of those things. So having those conversations with them, I think is great, but also doing fun activities is also, you know, there's a lot of stuff I'm sure on YouTube of interest Mm -hmm. that you can look up, just do little fun stuff with them. Like that book. I think that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure the women, the business owners that you work with, they're moms too. So yeah. then they're learning because it's almost you know, a ripple effect that you're creating. You're teaching yes. the moms, the moms teach the kids, and then we're changing the whole generation. That's right. That's right. Because we're giving them tools that we didn't have, right? But now they're seeing that although we didn't have them, we're putting them in action. Mm-hmm. And that's just as important. Money habits, they're they're real. They're, they yeah. real. they add up, compound effects, they compound oh, they over do. time. Uh-huh. <laughs> those small, those small changes make big differences. They do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Since I've met a husband, I've been able to pay off car, credit card and all this good stuff. And why didn't I do it before? Yeah. We didn't know the how. Skills. We didn't know the how. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Discipline, skill, you know, everything. Yeah. Let's talk about habits. There's a different form of habit, right? Well, we're on the topic. How do you get up, dress up and show up? What's your morning routine like? <laughs> my habits, my morning routine. Well, mine varies. You know, I love, not luckily, but I'm blessed to be able to sort of my routine just changes because sometimes the day just calls for it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, what probably I would share with everyone is just more. So sometimes, especially if you have a nine to five, I know it can be difficult to really create a space for yourself in as far as like meditation or listening to, you know, books and things or having some time for yourself to really just, um, either reflect or just, you know, feel good, get yourself centered. But I do recommend, you know, even if you just put your headphones in and, or when you're driving, listen to a good book yeah, or just, you know, even on 15 minute breaks, go for a walk, go outside, allow the energy to, to flow out of you. If you're feeling a certain way, or if you're feeling frustrated. And for me, my habits, my morning habits, or, or I'll say this, my habits always include having meditation time. I do have meditation time, but I don't want to sound cliche in a sense that, Oh, every morning I get, I'm a mom guys. Like (laughs) it's like, everybody's annoying me and and I'm like, come on, get going. You know, we have, or I wake up late or I'm tired or whatever, but 
I do make time whenever I need it to meditate, to take the time. And if I feel it, you know, I live close. I mean, I work close to the beach. So sometimes I leave the office and I go to the beach just Mm -hmm. so that I can kind of clear my head or take a minute. And I know not everybody has that flexibility. That's why I'm saying like, if you're in business for yourself, then you have that flexibility, create that for yourself. If you're not in business for yourself and you work a nine to five and you have a job, still implement something in your day that will allow for that habit to take place, whether that be meditating, reading, um, listening to a nice song, moving your body, dancing, mm-hmm. you know, anything that will allow for you to feel better about your day and yourself. And to give you energy because we That's are right. a bundle of energy with fluid. We have to keep moving. Yes. When you don't meditate, um, how does things change for you? You know, for me, sometimes when in the past, when I hadn't meditated or I hadn't spent time with doing that, it creates a lot of frustration within me. So now I'm better about listening to myself, to Mm -hmm. within myself and feeling, feeling what I feel if there's resistance there for any particular or for a project or anything like that. And really just kind of coming to myself as to why am I resisting? Why do I feel, you know, the frustration or why am I like this? And that's normally when it's like my cue to, Hey, like you probably need to, you know, go take a breather go take a walk or something like that. Because I don't know if this happened to you, but like in 2020, I feel like I don't know if it's because we were like trapped at home or what, but I feel like it made me almost feel like I still had to be trapped at home for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't force myself to go outside. And it's like, why am I, why am I, why do I feel like I'm still kind of stuck in here? And I'm not like that. I'm not a homebody. So it was something like that. I really had to be aware of that. I was just like, why am I not forcing myself to go outside, you know? And sometimes you could do that. I mean, some people aren't outdoor people, but we all need sunshine. We all need it. Fresh air. We all need to kind of, you know, get energy flowing. So, yeah. So it was good. I don't know if that, I don't know if you experienced that in your, in your life. It's the habit though. It's we spent yeah. um, a year and a half indoors. So the, the brain, you memorize it. That's your new norm. Yes. So that's that's why you have to kick the habit. You have to replace it. You don't just break it. Now you have to replace it with um, different activities. Yeah. And see, I for me, because like some people like to have a lot of consistency. I like change. So mm-hmm. I like, you know, different times and stuff like that. I, I call myself an active senior because <laughs> I have an active lifestyle. I go golfing, I go to yoga, I exercise or I go for walks. So I just try to do whatever feels good to me at that time. So that's another thing I highly encourage. If, if that's your habit, then that's your habit. You know, just do things that you enjoy. Listen to your body. Because yeah. every, every body is different, you know, pun That's intended. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell us, um, how can we connect with you? Where can we find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram, Damari Gold, or you can find us on our website, tgsaccounting.com or damarigold.com. It's been such a delight having you on the show today, Damari. Thanks for having thank you. Me. Yes, thank you for sharing your insight in all things finance and insecurity and how to attain it and then how to shift our habits and knowing what the 
change with the gradual change will be. It's been very, very endearing. Thank you for being honest. We enjoyed having you on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got it. All right, morning enthusiasts. That's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.